Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is George Jackson. He graciously agreed to do this last minute when my scheduled guest called in sick, and I'm so glad it worked out. We had an awesome time. We recorded this a few weeks ago at Clifftop in the Long Point String Band tent. Again, thank you so much, Long Point String Band, for hosting us. Just a couple items of business before we get started. First of all, I don't pay to advertise Get Up in the Cool. It's all word of mouth, so please tell someone about it. Now that I'm in the Pacific Northwest, I've been attending all the local festivals, and most people I meet are only peripherally aware of the show if they've heard about it at all. I think most old-time musicians would be into Get Up in the Cool if they knew about it. And I bet a good portion of musicians from other traditions would as well, for that matter. So please help the show out by spreading the news. Thanks. I'm teaching banjo at Janie's Jumpstart Camp in Portland, Oregon this November from the 8th through the 10th, along with former guests of the show Shona Carr, Charmaine Slavin, and of course, Jane Rothfield. It's going to be an amazing weekend, and I just know that if you come, you'll level up your old-time banjo playing, fiddling, singing, flat-footing, or guitar playing, and have a super fun time while you're doing it. Reserve your spot now at janiesjumpstart.com. I'm also really excited to play the third annual Kauai Old Time Gathering this November. Y'all should come if you can make it. Visit kauaioldtime.com for more info. The links for both of those are in the show notes. Stick around after the interview and I'll tell you how you can keep up with this week's guest. But first, here's my interview and jam with George Jackson. Enjoy. Thank you. 
<laughs> uh, George Jackson, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. It's uh, what, great to be here. What the hell did we just play? <laughs> that was a tune that I wrote called Cabin on the Cumberland. Yeah, and I threw all of the weird co chords that I could think of in there. Yeah. Just for you. Thanks. No worries. <laughs> Except. <laughs> um, uh, why did you Why did you call it Cabin on the Cumberland? Well, all the tunes that I've been writing, I've kind of been thinking about uh, where I am and what I'm doing. I, I, I kind of think about um, tunes and instrumental music, and it seems arbitrary sometimes to think about what to call those tunes. But then I'm, and then I also start thinking about where you are and what you're doing is always kind of influencing you. Yes. Whether or not you're fully aware of that or, yeah. um, you know, I don't try sure. to sit down and just go, oh, I'm going to write a tune about this cabin or like I'm trying to, going to try and distill someone's essence into a song. Yes. But then I write something and I'm like, well, I was in my cabin on the Cumberland while I was writing that, so yeah. I'm going to call it that. That's, that's how I work. It's kind of a, a little bit backwards. No, I think that's a really good way of describing it because often people who... Instrumental music, this is like the challenge of instrument. It's like the right. one, you know, explicit meaning that you can give in the music is like the title. Right, exactly. You know, there's no yeah, words, you, you can, know. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, you know, often people ask like, yeah, how did you come up with this title? And like, ultimately, often the answer, the way people put it is like, well, I wrote the tune and I liked it and I... Um, uh, retroactively projected meaning onto it, you know, yeah, but right. I like what you're saying is because you're like you wrote this You know, and you're like, you know, this this tune probably has something to do with the fact that I was in a right. cabin on the Cumberland Yeah, yeah. well, I mean yeah. I was sitting there in yeah. my house on the edge of the river yeah. writing that melody It is that yeah. time and place for me. Yeah, you know, totally um, in a way <laughs> or maybe if you wrote it later you would have been like something about that Sounds like I was thinking about the cabin or something, you know. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hmm. If that was, if I, yeah, if the longing for it or yes. the missing of it was on my mind, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, how do you how do you write tunes? How long have you been writing tunes? Uh, yeah, I I think I started writing tunes when I was a teenager, and a lot of it on was on the fiddle. Yeah, on the fiddle. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I got into playing fiddle music when I was about fourteen. Yeah. Well. I was playing the fiddle from when I was young because my parents are fiddle players, but I, I got into it when I was 14. Yeah. Um, I was into playing the electric bass before then. My career as, a, uh, as the bassist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers in my bedroom yes. was, uh, was prior to 14. <laughs> I was super into Red Hot Chili Peppers too and, play, and playing Sweet. flea bass lines. Nice. That's great. Yeah, so uh, that was me pre... Uh, Pre-14. When yeah. I was 14, I went to my first fiddle camp in New Zealand, and uh, and I heard my first bluegrass album uh, around the same time, and and those things kind of combined. And actually, why I started writing tunes was because I went to this Scottish fiddle camp, and I got into playing Scottish music around that time too. And is uh, that a little bit more prevalent in New Zealand than bluegrass? May maybe, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I. Maybe. Okay. Um, I don't know for certain. I mean, folk okay. music is small in New Zealand, yes. and um, there's a contingent of people that play Scottish music, and there's a contingent of people that play bluegrass music, and there's a few old time people. You know, like there's yeah. a bit of everything there, yeah. but it's, I, I would, nothing's particularly big, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't know whether or not the Scottish music is bigger. Although, there's, there was a lot of Scottish 
immigration there. Yeah. There's a lot of pipe band and a lot of, oh, of the Highland yeah. dancing. I did Highland dancing as a child. But as far as the fiddle music goes, there wasn't a lot of Scottish fiddle mm. music. But um, you went to a Scottish fiddle camp. Right. Anyway, you were able sorry, to find back one. to that. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm uh, sorry. But the, uh, <laughs> but, um, the, one of the teachers there was a fiddler from Boston yeah. named uh, Hanukkah Castle. Hanukkah Castle. And she's an incredible uh, fiddle player of like Cape Breton music and Scottish music based out of Boston. And she writes a lot of her own tunes. And so I was really taken by her playing. And I really kind of felt like if I wanted to be like her, um, then I would, you know, I should be writing tunes. Yeah. And so it really felt like that was uh, part of it right from when I kind of got into it. So I started writing Because you just like really respected it. her and you were like, this yeah. seems to be the path to yeah, get well, to where she's at. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I loved the tunes she was writing and I mm. was like, I want to write tunes like that. So I awesome. started writing like Scottishy kind of fiddle tunes around then. And then I've always valued writing music since then, I think. So... Um, What's the oldest tune that you that you've written that you still like oh to play? Oh my goodness, that's that's a tough one. I haven't played many of the tunes that I wrote as a teenager for a long time. Mm -hmm. But there's what some ones that I that I could probably revisit and think are okay. Yeah, I just haven't done that for a long time, yeah. honestly. And especially seeing as now I'm kind of playing more bluegrass yes. music and old time music, and those tunes were more Scottishy. Kind of, yeah. That I'll have to get back to you on that. Yeah, one. <laughs> I'd be really curious because yeah, I have to dredge up. Sometimes well, you you know you read your old diary entries and you're like, huh, I sure had a lot of interesting thoughts back then. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, well, yeah. I I wrote really hard tunes. Yeah. Like, like, like I'm throwing all sorts of chords at you now, but oh my goodness, when yeah. I was a teenager, they were real weird. <laughs> yeah. Have you, I'll have you back on when you uh, relearn all your, yeah. your teenage. Oh, tunes. Yeah, we'll play yeah. we'll play weird. New Zealand Scottish uh, extravaganza. Can't wait. Yeah. Should we play this next tune? Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, a very evocative title, uh, "Smoky Hole." Yes. Yeah. Okay. Where'd, where'd you get this? Well, um, I got to know Jake Blunt uh, in the last year, um, and Good. I really got have really gotten on with him and enjoyed playing music with him. Um, and I know that he's a He's, he's a regular force on this show. Yes, um, and in my life. Which is great. Um, <laughs> and he's, he's been really generous, a uh, really generous spirit at, um, to me, kind of getting into old-time music. And I, I love uh, those people that really sort of embrace you and, and, um, and what you have to offer. And so I really feel like that about Jake. And mm. um, he sent me a bunch of uh, interesting recordings to listen to, source recordings that he had. And... Um, he sent me a bunch of recordings from Will Adams, uh, yes. who's a DC area fiddler, um, that Jake's very influenced by, I think. And uh, yeah, I found this one. This was kind of the first one that I opened up on that Dropbox. And mm. uh, I thought it was a really interesting tune, especially because Will kind of plays it and then he kind of is like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't play it. Like, <laughs> I can't remember how it goes or something, but he just kind of played it and yeah. it was cool. And I don't know if that's what he meant to play, but it's what came out yeah. and I've learned that <laughs> and I think it's cool. So awesome. it's called Smoky Hole. Great.
That's a really neat tune. Nice. Yeah, isn't uh, it fun? So cool. Yeah. Shout out to Jake Blunt. <laughs> Done it again. <laughs> Found those cool tunes. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna play another tune that you wrote. Yeah. Which is my my new favorite waltz. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Awesome. Tell us about it, please. Yeah. So this one's called Barn in the Bend. Yeah. And I wrote it um, in a barn in the. <laughs> yeah. No. Not, uh, okay. not actually, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. Nice try. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But uh, it's actually a wedding venue that, that my wife and I got married in last November. Yeah. And so after I went to visit it the first time, I actually wrote this tune um, once I got back home. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't, like, again, I wasn't going out to kind of distill that, that emotion or whatever when yeah. I walked in there. Um, but it happened on the same day, and so I kind of figure, yeah. you know, yes. um, <laughs> I was... Being influenced, I buy it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's makes so a lot I kind of sense. Of, I always say that I send this one out to Rachel. Um, yeah. Uh, as well. So think about her on this one. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for letting me play it with you. <laughs> yeah. You sound great. Yeah. Okay. What an honor to play with yeah. you. <laughs> um, bar- barn in the Bend. Mm-hmm. One, two.
Well, shit, George. Now I kind of <laughs> want to marry you. <laughs> That's so goddamn Sorry, good. Sorry, taken. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, when I was in Australia... Yeah. Um, I, I noticed this... I noticed this pattern of um, self-deprecation. Not, sure. not just for individuals, but of, like, kind of like the whole culture. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and there, and I think part of it that kept coming up is this, it seems like, I don't know, maybe um, when it was colonized, it was, it didn't have as much time before globalization to develop um, certain traditions as, mm -hmm. as deeply and mm -hmm. as isolated as mm -hmm. like American old time music mm -hmm. or, um, or uh, things like that, um, maybe yeah. is my like idea behind it. Yeah. So, but yeah. there's a general like kind of hunger for for culture yeah. there, yeah. and I was wondering, is there like a similar like vibe in New Zealand? Yeah, definitely. New Zealand and Australia are very culturally similar. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's probably something akin to the USA and Canada. Sure. Um. Yeah. So and. Yeah, so it's it's similar culturally, and I've lived in both countries. Yeah, I, I spent ten years living in Australia, uh, from when I was a, a sixteen year old till when I was twenty six when I moved here, and from zero to sixteen I was in New Zealand. I still sort of consider myself a New Zealander. Yeah, and really it's very compatible culture. But um, the the self deprecating thing, um, yeah, is definitely a cultural, um, a cultural aspect. I think one thing that a, a turn of phrase that's used to describe that often, or part of that, in in New Zealand is uh, tall poppy syndrome, which <gasps> I just heard about this. Right, you tell yeah, but yeah, yeah. But I, basically, I, it's kind of like just used yeah, you, you you know, if you stick your head out and you're like, I'm doing this, or you know, I'm great, or whatever, yeah. then that's not really seen as that's not and the, that's not a valued in the culture the metaphor you know? being the tallest poppy is going to be cut, cut off. down yeah, yeah exactly. because it's visible cut down yeah exactly yeah. so <laughs> that's actually been something that that's been interesting in me moving here mm. uh, because americans are very good at getting up and telling you what they do yeah, and taking and, up space and how good they are <laughs> you know and that's that's totally okay it's just a, a different cultural thing and yeah. um so it's been difficult at times for me to own own that mm. um, in moving over here, um, which which is kind of an interesting thing. And I, I I actually think that it's kind of a freeing thing in a way yeah. to to just kind of own who you are and not have to kind of hide behind a, a self-deprecating kind of okay. thing all the time to just be up be up there and be like I'm I'm yeah. an old-time musician you know whatever um, I kind of yeah. I kind of wondered about it like so being an Oregonian yes um, coming into this music mm -hmm. you know Oregon is also a new place yeah relatively of people speaking. that moved yeah. from somewhere else that's older yeah yeah um, and I've often felt I've often felt like my access to a unique culture mm. It's a little bit limited, especially in terms of like music, mm. you know, just like what is Oregon music? Yeah. Like what is distinctly Oregon yeah. that's not from somewhere else? Yeah. Like, I really don't know. And I don't have an answer for that. And like, 
it's taken a little bit of like humility and soft stepping. I, the more I learn about old time music mm -hmm. as I try to enter it, into mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah, playing someone else's music and yeah. finding a place in it. Right. And I was wondering, maybe, have you yeah. had a similar experience? Right, I have, a, I, have, I have a lot of thoughts on this kind of Please. Uh, subject. Something that has plagued me for a while and <laughs> yeah. that I kind of have thought about. Uh, first of all, I wanted to just talk about music in New Zealand and Australia, like mm. traditional music. Please. And I think I thought similarly to you for a long time, and I think it's definitely an aspect about how uh, it's maybe a little younger. Is it not Col as visible? Col Colonization-wise, like it's a little younger than the U.S., sure. right? So, sure. uh, but also um, the the spark of American music really is the, at, at least as far as I can tell, is the the combination of European music and African music, yes. and the sort of uh, compatibilities of those string instruments right. and rhythms and and things. Um, hmm. coming together and I think that New Zealand and Australia being predominantly settled by uh, white immigrants from uh, from Europe yes and the Aboriginal culture and the Maori culture maybe didn't have music that was as compatible or string band oriented or maybe it just wasn't as visible especially yeah. in Australia I think the Aboriginal music was probably not um, valued at all. So I think that's part of why there isn't like a really unique music style and uh, or string band music style specifically. There are other musics that are kind of maybe have a little bit more of a unique tilt to them um, in, in those countries but... When I hear like African um, stringed instruments and drumming yeah. and Irish yeah. like fiddling and drumming yeah, I they're obviously very different, but I can hear like, oh, I could hear how hypothetically this could be right, melded yeah, into a new yeah, thing. Right, exactly. Um, whereas when I've, the very little that I've seen of Aboriginal music, like yeah. on YouTube or whatever, yeah. I'm like, hey, this yeah. is so profoundly outside of my paradigm. Right. And like, this yeah. is, I Yeah, I and it's very spiritual no music for them yeah. too. And, and yeah, um, and, and I am by no means uh, have too much of, uh, a an idea of Aboriginal music, so I can't sort of say for sure, sure. that that's that's the that's the case of why mm. it, those musics didn't uh, meld together. But um, but that's that's part of the thinking that I have at least yeah. nowadays is is you know all American music is so uniquely the combination of African music and European music um, and you know, the Latin music and, you know, yes, like it's, of course. yeah, the immigrant elements. In the indigenous um, music here as well, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. yeah, and I don't know much about that, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you so coming me, into this music. Yeah, so yeah. me as a New Zealander coming here, I definitely had an identity crisis, and I think Australians and New Zealanders do have a little bit of an identity crisis when it comes to, uh, like, playing this kind of music, and it's kind of funny when you take the... Uh, when you take the tradition of bluegrass music and or old time music uh, over to New Zealand and away from where it's it's rooted, it can definitely get a little uh, militant in a way uh, huh. where people are like, "Oh, you've got to play traditionally, you know, or that's not this, or this isn't that." 
um, yeah. which is an interesting idea because people are trying to define what it is and isn't. Um, because they're worried about yeah. it getting diluted on its way over? Yeah. Or I think they're just concerned with being authentic yeah. to the style that they're playing because they don't identify as Americans. Yes. So they want to try and be as true to American music as yeah. they can possibly be. Um, I think I, I kind of decided to come at it from a different a different way, which was that I felt the most comfortable playing the music uh, in my own way at first, which is why I, part of the reason why I've been writing tunes yes. and using that way, uh, that as a way of like dipping my foot into old time music and learning a lot of old time tunes and, and taking ideas from those tunes and then maybe writing tunes that have a little bit of me in them but then some of those ideas too um and and then hopefully coming up with something that i feel i can really express with the absolute most authenticity and uh dedication and um yeah maybe i overthink these things i definitely overthink these things <laughs> um which is why I, you know i think at first i was quite concerned with just um, whether or not I could authentically be an old-time musician being a New Zealander. But, mm. uh, so that's where, I've, that's where I have come from. But uh, the longer that I'm in this music scene, the more I feel embraced and uh, the more confident I feel to play American music in that way too. So, Good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, the that kind of describes my, yeah. my thought process a little. I mean, this isn't always the case, but the way I see it, like, America has made such a point of spreading our, ourselves around everywhere yeah. and yeah. making sure everyone knows what we're up to. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, we don't really have any business in uh, telling people um, they can't participate. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely part of it. I mean, the, the yeah. dissemination of American culture around the world is prolific. It's, yeah. it's huge. And in New Zealand... And Australia, there are American food chains, Amer uh, yeah. lots of bits of American culture, and I think that's definitely part of the reason why why we love to adopt these music styles as well, because yeah. you know it feels like something familiar yeah. from all of those cultural aspects. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, where did you get this next tune, Pearl Black Sheep? Oh yeah, I learned this one from YouTube, <laughs> my favorite place to learn tunes. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm living in Nashville, or just north of Nashville in Madison, Tennessee, uh, these days. And uh, when I'm, yeah, I've been doing this thing where I've been trying to like record myself playing a tune, um, a new tune each week and putting it up on Instagram. It's something oh, yeah. I started uh, somewhere around a year Fridays? ago. Was that yeah, what it? Fiddle Tune Friday, Fiddle tune, yeah. yeah that was, okay. But yeah, yeah, it kind of uh, started out as a as a way of just kind of like challenging myself to to do something, yeah. um, put myself out there a little bit, you know, be a tall get poppy, get, yeah, get rid of the tall poppy syndrome <laughs> a little bit, and be like, hey, I play the fiddle, like put something up, and not feel um, too shy about it or something. And yeah. it was hard at first, but uh, yeah. but it's it's kind of a fun routine that I've got into, and and I've and it's been a great way to learn new tunes. And so I'll often get to Wednesday or Thursday, and I'll be like, oh, gotta organize something. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've just been learning a lot of cool tunes, and I 
um, was yeah uh, just becoming aware of Fraser and Patterson yeah. and so I thought I would look up and see what tunes I could find and there wasn't a lot that I could find online but um, but there was this uh, this recording up on YouTube of Poe Black Sheep so I uh, learned that and I thought it was pretty cool. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, and so, yeah, just to bring that around, uh, I was just also thinking about, you know, old time music in Tennessee where my new home is and these guys were um, were a fixture in, yeah. um, I think even in Nashville, so, um, or in, in the surrounding area. So, yeah, Poe Black Sheep. Thank you. 
Thanks. You have a new album out. Yeah. Time and Place. And yes, exactly. Yeah, I put it out in April, and uh, I've been waving it around madly, jumping up and down. Yeah. <laughs> ever since. Uh, You've been to... getting some help. We haven't talked about the hashtag Dorigo challenge oh, yeah. yet. Yeah. How did that actually yeah. start? Yeah, this tune that I wrote, the second track on the album, uh, kind of went viral. I like to say old time, old -time viral, viral because <laughs> yeah. um, old time viral means uh, close to eighty, yes. which is still, which is incredible <laughs> for old time. But uh, <laughs> but I'm sure the uh, ice bucket challenge uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. will have something to say about that. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's been really amazing. Um, Kind of this funny thing happened where uh, this great banjo player Sam Zikafus from Denver put up a version of a video of himself on on Instagram playing Dorigo because it's got this great banjo part that Brad Colodna recorded on the album and uh, he put that up and I was just so um, honored that he would do that and let someone learn my tune. That just seems like the highest kind yes. of uh, honor and praise. Uh, so I was. Uh, really stoked about that, and I reposted it on my Instagram page, and I was just like, wow, look at this. This is so great. And the next day, uh, Will Cedars, uh, the banjo maker, was like, oh, I've been meaning to learn that tune too. So he put up a video of himself yeah. playing it. Uh, and then Jake Blunt, the next day, put up a video of himself playing it, and, and he said uh, he had the... This was kind of where the spark started to happen. Um, <laughs> was that he was like, hey, we're turning your, your tune into a meme. And, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, That's great. That's very much his process. Right. Yeah, and it, yeah so that he put up a version. <laughs> and then I responded to him. I was like, oh, this is great. Hashtag Dorigo Challenge. We'll call it the Dorigo Challenge. Yeah. And so then I, and I've been reposting all of these. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of took off. And I was posting, reposting about two to three a day for close to three weeks which was ridiculous yeah all of these different uh musicians and different instruments playing dorigo we had auto harps we had you know mando cellos we had a whole arrangement done with electric guitars and synth and drums we had tally casters we had mandolins banjos guitars fiddles mm. everything it was it's wild. So check out the hashtag Dorigo yeah. Challenge. We even had Cameron DeWitt and uh, Nick Garess doing, yeah. uh, doing a version. Yes. Which I very well, much appreciated. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was just, that was just wild. But um, it wasn't something that I particularly planned. I definitely perpetuated. But, um, yes. But, uh, yeah, was, was totally thrilled about. And hopefully that's helped yeah. to get the word out about yeah. the so album that's, too. So that's why we're not playing that tune. Because right, you yeah. have other tunes yeah, on yeah, this got album. Other tunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let people know about those ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which ones? I, for, I forget which ones that we have played or are going to play are on the album. Are they all featured? Yeah, on there? all the ones okay, that great. I've written are on the album. Yeah, uh, cabin um, on the Cumberland. cabin on the Cumberland, and uh, that, that waltz, the waltz barn on the bend. Yeah, in yeah, the bend. In the bend. Uh, yes. Dang, I always forget. Thank Prepositions. you. Prepositions. Yeah. <laughs> They're tricky. And we're, then the one we're about to play. Yes. Yeah. Which is Falls Avenue. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this one is uh, uh, a lot of the the tunes are kind of about um, my home in Tennessee now because yeah. that's where I was writing a lot of them uh, in the last couple of years. And my wife and I bought a house recently in Madison, and it's on this 
Great Street, Falls Avenue. It's um, just what's the is, number? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the number, but um, <laughs> you have you have plenty of information to work with. Yeah. Um, it's actually the street that John Hartford lived on, oh. um, which is really cool. Like we're two doors down from there, and um, yeah. it's kind of a, a bit of nice juju around. Yes. Uh, so the neighbors have some cool stories about him, which is really fun. And uh, he actually used our house as a guest cabin. I think for a little while too, so that's that's kind of cool. Who knows uh, who's stayed there in the past? So, yeah, we get to look out on the river and um, take the inspiration that that he took, I think, in a lot of his tunes and songs, um, a little bit. So, uh, yeah, this is about that street moving to that street. Yeah, Falls Avenue. Is there anything else uh, before we go that? Um I mean, where do people go to get time and place? Yeah. And is there anything else you want to mention? Well, my website has the link to Bandcamp. <laughs> uh, that's probably the best way to, to get my album if you want. My website is georgejacksonmusic.com. Um, but, uh, yeah, find it on Bandcamp. It's up on all of the regular streaming platforms and all of that, CD Baby, Amazon. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But um, yeah. Um, oh, I also wanted to say about Falls Avenue. This tune is like part of the inspiration for it. Uh, it was. It's kind of odd metered, just to get like musically geeky. It's kind of like phrased in five beats in the A part, which I took an idea from uh, some John Salia tunes that do that. Yeah. And um, I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to try and do that. So, um, yeah. And the trick is that hopefully you don't know that when you're listening to it. You're just like, yes. oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you, you certainly realize it when you're trying to play it. <laughs> yeah. I've been putting Cameron through his paces, everybody. Yeah, and it's I, been a real workout. I'd like to report that he's doing very well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, George, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you, yeah. Cameron. It was yeah, really on the spot, so yeah. I just appreciate it. <laughs> uh, this has been fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. 
Visit George's website, georgejacksonmusic.com, to buy his album Time and Place, check out some music videos, and see his tour schedule. You should also like and follow him on Facebook at George Jackson Fiddle and Instagram at George Fiddle. Also, if you're listening to this episode right when it's released and you're in the Pacific Northwest, George is touring Oregon and Washington with Missy Rains until the end of August, so go catch a show while he's in town. I included a link to her tour in the show notes. Don't forget to register for Janie'sJumpstart.com and KawaiiOldTime.com, also linked in the show notes. And make sure to check out my second podcast, Think Outside the Box Set, available wherever you get your podcasts. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.